This is the First and Big Ten Podcast with CNHI sports writers Kevin Brockway and Elton Hayes. It's time to talk college football. All right, welcome again to our third edition of the First and Big Ten Podcast. This is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. Really, Elton, a wacky second week in Big Ten play. Uh, what, what was your biggest surprise uh, in week two? I would say the uh, three overtime games. Uh, most notable, Nebraska falling at Colorado. Um, number seven, Michigan needing uh, overtime, double overtime rather, to escape Army. And P.J. Flex Minnesota Gophers team getting that um, miracle interception over the, out there against Fresno State. So three overtime games in week two was, I think, pretty interesting. Yeah, you know, it shocked me. And, you know, I had picked this upset, but Maryland beating number 21 Syracuse and beating them handily, 63-20. to 20. I mean, that was a huge shock uh, for the, uh, you know, a team under Mike Loxley who you didn't really know much about, a team that some people had picked 13th and 14th in the Big Ten. Uh, they're 2-0. and and, Look, and the offense looks like it's uh, pretty well oiled early in the season. They're getting off to a great start. You know, the Howard win, you, you put up 70 points on anyone. Um, that, that piqued my interest. But the week against or the win against Syracuse really grabbed my attention. Uh, you know, this is a Syracuse team the past couple of years that have played Clemson down to the wire and who many pegged to be a dark horse uh, team to win the ACC. So um, for uh, Maryland to get that 43-point victory and to just do it in, um, you know, from start to finish, to play all the way through was very, very impressive. Uh, they were rewarded with Syracuse's number 21 spot in the AP Top 25, which is uh, Maryland's first time being ranked in the Top 25 since joining the Big Ten in 2014. So uh, kudos to uh, Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins. Yeah, and Josh Jackson has really proven to be an impact transfer from Virginia Tech. Uh, you know, he's been he's been terrific. 296 yards against Syracuse, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, I mean, he has been, uh, you know, that guy that, uh, you know, uh, is has really been uh, made a difference to that offense uh, right now. And, and you know, they're, uh, they're off to a good start. Another team uh, that's off to a good start uh, is uh, Ohio State, obviously. Uh, 40 yeah. thing over Cincinnati. Uh, there was really, you know, uh, very little doubt in this game. The second quarter, you know, those, you know, you have those bang, bang, bang touchdown drives. What makes Ohio State dangerous to me is, I mean, you take a look at their first uh, three touchdown drives. Uh, I think it was uh, 131, 149, and 40 seconds. It's just, you know, that quick strike offense. With no, that, I, uh, you know, that that's hard to hard to stop. Yeah. The, they've um, they've done very well. I know there are a lot of questions going in about you know the turnover with Ryan Day taking over, but uh, I did two weeks in, I, I've been very impressed so far. You know, Cincinnati was. I, I read a couple of preseason articles that had mentioned Cincinnati as possibly being one of the group of five teams that you know had the talent and the potential to maybe crack the college football playoff. Um, they beat UCLA a week ago. I know that's not saying much as UCLA is down, but um, if you would have told me going into this one that Ohio State would blank them 42 nothing, um, I don't think I'd believe you. Um, what's really interesting to me is the uh, impact that Fields has had so quickly. You know, he was 20 of 25, 224 um, passing yards, two touchdowns, added another two touchdowns on the ground. Um, and, you know, he's still getting acclimated to that offense. So just imagine what it's going to be like when he gets a firm grasp on everything and um, Ohio State enters Big Ten play, which actually starts this week against uh, Indiana. 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, playing with a lot of poise, I think, too. You know, he's, uh, you know, it's only second career start, and he's out there and he's leading the offense uh, really like a veteran, you know, so far. He's uh, he's certainly done a good job. Um, you know, Wisconsin keeps rolling along. Uh, I mean, they're 61 to nothing against Central Michigan. Uh, yeah. You know, another 100 <laughs> yard day for Jonathan Taylor. But I think the big story to me is Jack Cohn, 363 yards passing and three touchdowns. No, you know, that's. They, they went with him for a reason. You know, he's a freshman. Um, you know, they definitely have the weapons in place for him to succeed, and he's proven that coaching staff there uh, to, to be right. You know, um, he's really showed great chemistry with Quintez Cephas, um, Wisconsin's talented uh, wide receiver who really doesn't get enough credit just because he, you know, shares a team with Jonathan Taylor. But um, he uh, finished with six receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And um, I think at this point, I know it's still early in the season, but I think at this point, you're looking at Wisconsin and Iowa as your early favorites to uh, win the West. Yeah, and uh, they, I mean, they, yeah, they, they look terrific. The offensive line looks really good. I mean, they look uh, they look strong. Illinois, Lovey Smith, off to a 2-0 start, another confidence-building win. Their first win on the road since 2007. Uh, they go down to Connecticut, to UConn, and uh, it's hard to go into uh, East Hartford and get a win, right? But uh, they did they're off 31 to, to 23. Yeah, they're <laughs> off to a 2-0 start, which, um, you know, there a lot of questions surrounding Lovey's job security season uh he did a lot with the transfer portal you know i know he's really kind of tapped that florida recruiting scene hard and it appears to be paying dividends for him early yeah brandon peters uh michigan transfer quarterback continues to play well 227 yards four touchdowns for uh one interception uh which brings us to michigan uh certainly uh an interesting uh game in the big house uh losing 24 to 21 uh or winning twenty four to twenty one, excuse me, in double overtime to Army, as you alluded to earlier. I mean, that was really, um, you know, it's amazing. Army came in with an eight game winning streak, and Todd Monken and the triple option is hard to prepare for. Uh, but Michigan more fumbles. Uh, I, I saw where Harbaugh said, uh, Jim Harbaugh said after the game, not not looking well oiled right now offensively. Um, I, I thought Gaddis had a pretty good first game, but this game uh, the offense took a step back. It, it did. It did. And, um, you know, that's one of the uh, reasons Michigan was getting a lot of preseason love was that addition of Gaddis and their uh, switch to the uh, spread offense. Uh, so far, it just kind of appears to be a work in progress. Um, you know, that might work against the armies of the world, the mocking army. Army has a great program. Um, you know, I think Army beat Houston 70-21 um, to 21 in its bowl game. And yeah, this is an Army team that took Oklahoma to overtime last year. So uh, Army's a solid program. But, you know, you look at the uh, just the disparity in talent on the rosters, Army traveling over to the big house, and for Michigan needing uh, double overtime to win this definitely causes some concerns if you're a uh, Wolverine fan. Penn State continuing to roll. I mean, actually a little down 10-7, but they scored 28 points in the third quarter. Clifford looks good with four touchdown passes. What was your assessment? Uh, I know you were there, Alton, of, of how Penn State looked. You know that the, the um, John Reed, the senior cornerback, um, had a 36-yard um, interception return for a touchdown in that third quarter that just kind of sparked that 38-3 uh, to second-half run for Penn State. I was a little concerned with the uh, ground game. Clifford led the uh, Nittany Lions in rushing with 51 yards. Um, I, uh, Journey Brown, I believe, had 28 yards on six carries, but the uh, other rest of the running back core – uh, between the three of those guys, only um, shared five carries. So uh, I don't know uh, what was going on there up front. That's something they're going to have to need to. They're going to 
need to address as they, um, you know, train their sights towards Pittsburgh. But, you know, Clifford's looking more and more confident. Um, like you said, four touchdowns, two to um, tight end Pratt. Pat Fryermuth, who's looking like um, an All-American candidate. You know, he finished with a um, nation's second-best eight for a uh, tight end. So Penn State's defense did well, only surrendered 13 points. Um, you know, all is well in Happy Valley. Yes, everyone is happy. And then the game that uh, I was at uh, last week was uh, Vanderbilt-Purdue and SEC Big Ten clash, and the Big Ten comes through as Purdue – bounces back uh, from that uh, disappointing loss at uh, Nevada. This time they finished. Uh, they won 42-24, to 24, scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter. They, you know, they gave up 14 in the fourth quarter, too. But unlike last week against Nevada, uh, uh, this week uh, Purdue just kept throwing the ball in the fourth quarter, and it worked out. Elijah Sindelar, <laughs> five touchdown passes, 509 yards passing, and then had a quarterback sneak. Uh, got a little dinged up late in that game. They're saying a slight concussion, which uh, is of concern for Purdue heading into TCU. But uh, this week to get the job done, Rondell Moore, career high, 13 catches, 220 yards. He was terrific in the fourth quarter, 156 yards. Uh, they find a way to outlast uh, Vanderbilt in that game. Now, that was the Purdue team that I expected to see a week ago out in Nevada. Um, it's 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 um, Jeff Brom. You know they're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, one, one statistic that's kind of concerning is – run game i believe they only ran for what 30 yards last week um you look at you know purdue's offense nationally they're ranked third um in the country in passing i believe they're 125th out of 130 teams running the ball so they're definitely have to do something to find a balance there but hey if it's working right now you know definitely ride the hot end yeah and Sindelar is certainly that uh you know two straight 400 yard passing games 400 plus yard passing games uh the first quarterback uh, to do that since a guy named Drew Brees back in 1998. Not that uh, company. Did it uh, against uh, two Big Ten teams, actually back-to-back Wisconsin and Minnesota. Pretty amazing. And Drew Brees, as we saw, still getting it done on Monday night and beating uh, Houston. <laughs> I mean, I was, he's just he's just unbelievable. Um, Michigan State, uh, you know, has a little offense to go with the defense, 51-17 over Western Michigan, I mean, uh, really, uh, Lewerke looked good again. Three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, he did. They're, they're well, moving you know, the ball. That yeah. was the question last week, you know, um, after uh, Michigan State put on it against Tulsa, where they, where they uh, I think, held them to a negative 73 yards rushing, a couple of questions, you know, were raised about that offense. It looks like the offense found its stride last week, um, tallied 582 yards, 331 passing, 251 rushing, um, just a solid all-around effort by the Spartans. Yeah, Elijah Collins also 192 yards rushing, so he had a big day. Uh, Iowa uh, is still rolling. They shut out Rutgers in the first actual Big Ten game of the season uh, yeah, between conference start. opponents, and uh, Iowa just uh, completely dominated this game at home from start to finish. Yeah, this doesn't bode well for Chris Ash's uh, prospects long-term. I believe that put him to three and 25 in four years of Big Ten play. Um, Rutgers managed just five first downs, had three turnovers, 125 yards of offense. Just a a bad look all around for the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, and, you know, Nate Stanley uh, continues to play well. There's a lot of good quarterback play in the Big Ten early this season. There really is. A lot of guys throwing the ball and throwing the ball well, which uh, I think uh, bodes well for the league for sure. Um, Nebraska and Colorado. Uh, Nebraska That's the can't other big finish, one. You know, uh, 24 <laughs> points in the fourth quarter, and they lose in overtime 34-31. Obviously disappointing for Scott Frost. 
Yeah, well, you know, Nebraska was one of those teams that a lot of people were kind of high on in this wide-open Big Ten West. Um, they ended the year a 4-2 and two last season. Um, you bring a guy back like Adrian Martinez, a solid defense. But um, I, I think we're just seeing that, you know, that rebuilding job isn't going to be done as quickly as many wanted, uh, many in Lincoln hoped that it would be. Uh, this is a work in progress. As uh, Mike D'Antonio likes to say, there's those magic pixie dust you can sprinkle on this stuff. Um, it's going to take a while. Yep, Indiana uh, shuts out Eastern Illinois, 52 nothing. Largest margin of victory Indiana's home opener Memorial Stadium since 1944. Now, Eastern Illinois is an FCS opponent. We keep it in perspective here, but, you know, Mike Penix got up to another good start in this game. Uh, he was uh, They were able to pull him in the second quarter. Peyton Ramsey, the backup, who was the starter last year, goes 13-14 for 226, so that's a good sign. If anything happens to Penix, you have an experienced backup that's still engaged. He threw for two touchdown passes, and the defense uh, pitches its first shutout since, uh, I guess, Rutgers in 2017. Well, look, if that's about as good as a, um, a game you could hope to get, you know, heading into this Ohio State matchup this week. Uh, you know, a lot of good things. Like you said, the offense was connecting on both cylinders. Um, Peyton Ramsey showed that he can come off the bench and do it if something does happen to Penix. Uh, the defense shutting out, you know, um, shutting them out the way it did. Um, it just kind of, you know, like I said, if you're an Indiana fan, Indiana coaching staff member, you know, it's about as, as um, good as a um, effort you hope to get from your team before you head into this um, big matchup against Ohio State this week. And the Minnesota Golden Gophers, they head out west, and they get it done in a miracle game in double overtime, 38-35. to 35. I mean, Tanner Morgan makes that throw. It's fourth and 13. The game is on the line, <laughs> and he delivers to force overtime. And Minnesota, again, you know, They've been shaky two weeks in a row, but they found a way to get it done with two wins. They did. They did. I don't know whether to be optimistic about that or pessimistic. You know, I don't know whether to view this as they know how to win at all costs or um, they shouldn't be struggling this early in the season, especially against the, um, you know, Fresno State's not what it once was. Um, PJ Flex, another one of those guys who came into the conference a few years ago with a lot of hype after the job he did at Western Michigan. And um, I, I've just not sold so far on what I've seen from him. I know he has a very young team, but uh, things won't things will not uh, work out for them if these uh, these close calls like this continue, especially once they um, they enter Big Ten play and they're playing more formidable opponents. Well, I think we pretty much covered it. That's our kind of wrap around the league. Coming up next segment, uh, we'll have a, a, our first Twitter question, which is uh, always great to see. We encourage a lot more. And we'll do our thumbs up, thumbs down segment. This is Kevin Brockway along with Elton Hayes for the first in Big Ten podcast coming back after this. Get the latest Big Ten, IU, Purdue, and Penn State football news by following the guys on Twitter. Kevin is at Kevin Brockway G1 and Elton is at EHDC12. Welcome back to the first and Big Ten podcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana along with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. And uh, this is our third edition, Elton, and our first Twitter question. And we encourage anyone who follows us on Twitter. I'm at Kevin Brockway uh, G1 and uh, Elton, give right. I'm at EHDC12. Yeah, EHDC12. So any Penn State-related questions, Big Ten-related things, feel free to send them my way. And so our first uh, Twitter question for this podcast comes from a respectable Adam. He's at uh, at B89Adam. And uh, he asks, how does IU football's, Indiana football's offensive line, 
matchup with Ohio State's defensive line. And uh, this is a story I'm actually going to address uh, during the week on the, uh, you know, first in, uh, uh, you know, in, in my stories in uh, CNHI Indiana papers. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll make a few Pennsylvania papers too, who knows. But um, this is, uh, you know, uh, interesting. You know, I, I could give you the snarky answer and say not well, but um, because, you know, Ohio State does have some ferocious pass rushers led by Chase Young. They have nine sacks on the season. But, you know, Indiana does have three seniors starting on the offensive line, including Coy Cronk, who uh, is a guy who, uh, you know, has uh, uh, been a starting left tackle really for all four years on, on campus. Simon Stepanek is another experienced player on the offensive line. Um, so they've, they've got some guys there that can certainly help. And, you know, the intriguing and interesting player on Indiana's offensive line is Caleb Jones. Uh, and he's a guy who certainly has a size. He's 6'8", 360. They've worked really hard in his conditioning. He's at starting right tackle this year. He won the job in camp. And he's a guy that right now, because Mike Penix is a left-handed quarterback, he's protecting Mike Penix's blind side and has done a good job. And they could have moved Kronk over to the right side because he's a more experienced guy, but they've stuck with Caleb Jones there. And this is a huge test for Caleb Jones uh, going up against Chase, jo- uh, you know, Chase uh, Young and, and the rest of those Buckeye pass rushers. Well, we'll see how, we'll see how Ohio State's, uh, you know, uh, they, obviously a huge test for Indiana against Ohio State. And we'll, we'll get to that later in our predictions. But uh, right now we're going to go to our uh, thumbs up, thumbs down segment. And uh, Elton, why don't you start us off with uh, your first thumbs up? Well, I think we have to go with Maryland, um, putting up 63 points, which was, a, uh, I believe, a conference best this week, uh, beating number 21 Syracuse in Mike Loxley's second game in College Park. Like I mentioned before, it's the first um, time that the um, Terrapins have been ranked. They um, debuted at number 21 on Sunday in the AP Bowl, and it's the first time that the um, – the uh, Terrapins have been ranked since they joined the Big Ten in 2014. So uh, Maryland gets my um, my first thumbs up of the week. Yeah, my first thumbs up is going to go to Rondale Moore. 13 catches, 220 yards. He was uh, really uh, he was he was just terrific, especially in the fourth quarter. Came up with some huge catches. He had one interesting catch, his touchdown catch, which for 34 yards. He kind of used the official as a screen. It was really I a, saw a that. weird. A, a weird kind of play and he didn't really cop whether he did it on purpose or not, but it was a very, it was a, it was a rather interesting play. And then he also, you know, he, he wore the towel on his hand in the post-game press conference. And that was kind of a salute to Tyler Trent who passed away uh, of cancer, obviously, uh, you know, on, on January 1st. And, and he talked about his friendship with Tyler. They, they dedicated the student gate, you know, before the game to Tyler Trent. So just really Rondale Moore stepping up Purdue really, you know, needed a win, and he was the guy that came through in the fourth quarter. He and Sindelar both to get it done. All right. I guess I'll start with my um, second thumbs up of the week, and that goes to Ohio State quarterback Dustin Fields. Um, you know, he transferred over this offseason after, um, you know, coming over from Georgia where he played sparingly last year. Um, not only did he inherit a new team, but he inherited a new first-year head coach, and I think that he's done well to kind of usher in the Ryan Day era in Columbus. He was 20 of 25 last week, throwing for 224 yards, two touchdowns. He also rushed um, nine times for 42 yards and added another two touchdowns, and um, been very impressed with him, and I I think as long as he continues to um, settle and do well in that position, then Ohio State will continue to be the favorite to uh, win the East. Yeah, you know, and it's amazing with Fields in that, you know, he was one of the you know most talented quarterbacks in the country coming out of high school, but you just you never know until you get faced with college competition. And he couldn't mm-hmm. beat out Jake Fromm for the job at Georgia. 
um, and obviously comes to Ohio State. A lot of pressure, but he's handled it. Yes, he uh, has. Very, very well so far. So my second thumbs up is going to go to Jack Cohn uh, from uh, Wisconsin. 363 yards, three touchdowns. If Wisconsin can get a passing game to go with Jonathan Taylor, I mean, it's just going to make the offense that much more dangerous. Yeah. And like I said, with Contez Cephas as his, uh, as his wide receiver, I think they have the potential to do so. Um, Taylor gets a lot of publicity um, on that team just because of just how dominant he is in the backfield. But um, like I said, Contez Cephas is one of the Big Ten's best receivers. So um, as long as he continues to refine that chemistry that he's had with Cone, watch out for Wisconsin. All right. I will go do my third and final thumbs up of the week. And I'm going to have to give that to Penn State quarterback Sean Clifford. Uh, taking over for Trace McSorley, enviable task. Um, you know, Clifford debuted last week as the uh, first new Penn State starting quarterback since 2016, and um, he's done a great job. This week, he was, again, efficient and productive. Um, he threw for 279 yards on four touchdowns with 16 of 22 passing. Um, he found four um, receivers. Um, and he just he's looked very impressive. I think as he continues to grow on that offense and settle in, he's going to really complement those talented Penn State receivers. Yeah, and, you know, James Franklin is a good offensive mind as well. Uh, Elton, he's going to bring him along, and, and they've got, uh, you know, a big test against Pittsburgh uh, this week. So yeah. my third thumbs up uh, is going to go to the uh, Indiana defense, uh, posting its first shutout since 2017 against Rutgers. Yeah, it was uh, Eastern Illinois. It's an FCS opponent, but – they held him to 116 yards. He had 10 three and outs in that game and uh, really cut down on the missed tackles. You know, they had 25 missed tackles against Ball State, only nine against uh, Eastern Illinois. So they did a lot of the fundamental things well, and they're going to need to continue to do that, obviously facing Ohio State's uh, high-powered offense at Memorial Stadium and their Big Ten opener this week. So uh, those are my three, and uh, let's, let's go to your first thumbs down, Elton. My first thumbs down is going to have to go to uh, Michigan. Needing overtime to beat Army. Like I said, no slight to Army. Army is a great team. But with all of the hype that Michigan in the uh, preseason, expecting them to make a push um, for the Big Ten title this year, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Um, that offense, the new spread offense and offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis have not looked crisp. And um, Shea Patterson has been really, uh, really shaky early. So Michigan's going to have to get my first. My first thumbs down is going to go to the Rutgers offense. Now, I know, you know, it's easy to pick on Rutgers, right? But uh, 41 yards passing, 41, only 41 yards passing in, in the modern era. Uh, you know, uh, McLean Carter, they couldn't really build on that big outburst they had against the UMass the week before. Uh, McLean Parter was bench. Art, Art, Art Stikowski also played. No matter who was in there, neither quarterback was effective, and they just couldn't move the ball consistently. Uh, I know it's your first Big Ten game, but uh, you got to step up and uh, do a little better than that. All right. My second thumbs down will have to go to Minnesota, uh, meaning, again, overtime to get past Fresno State with that miracle interception there in the uh, first overtime period. Um, Minnesota was another team that a lot of people kind of, you know, were mentioning and this coming the name around as being a um, dark horse candidate out of the West. But after uh, barely getting by San Diego State, or I'm sorry, South Dakota State last week, 28 to 21, 
and squeaking by uh, Fresno State by three points this week, I'm not sold. So Minnesota's going to have to get my uh, second thumbs down this yeah, week. Yeah, the Golden Gophers, you know, uh, not uh, not quite rowing the boat, uh, uh, you know, with, with all the oars moving <laughs> yet. Uh, it, the boat's capsizing, exactly. Kevin. It's, it's, it's teetering a little bit. My second thumbs down is going to go to uh, the Purdue run game, 44 yards against Vanderbilt. Listen, they were loading up the box. They were stopping them, I know, but this is the second week in a row where Purdue could not really establish and run the ball. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, missing Tyrio Fuller hurts, no doubt about it. I mean, he's their senior running back. He's broke his jaw. And, and you know, what they've had to do is use Elijah Sindelar a little bit, and that's put him in harm's way. And, listen, he got dinged up late in that game, and he might miss the TCU game because of it. So they're going to have to find some options. They're going to have to find some people uh, to run the football effectively, and, and the offensive line is going to have to run block a little better uh, as well. They've uh, they've had issues uh, creating any kind of push and uh, any kind of uh, separation in the run game. My third thumbs down, kind of piggybacking off of your Rutgers. Um, as a team, I'm going to have to sing a lot. Rutgers head coach Chris Ash, um, you know, being blanked by uh, Iowa in week one in the second week of the season does not bode well for his uh, job prospects. He's 3-25 and in Big Ten play. Um, he has not won a Big Ten contest in two seasons. In fact, he's only won two overall games in two years. So uh, I know Rutgers has a bye week this week. After that, um, Rutgers plays Boston College on September 21st, and uh, um, Chris Ash will be coaching for his job. So uh, he's going to have to get my second – I'm sorry, third thumbs down. This you week. know, I wonder if Greg Schiano would come back. You know, that would, be, that would be interesting to me because they really had great success with him in the Big East. They, they did. They really did. And, and, and he's a good coach. And he could – he, he, he recruited well there. He brought in some guys. I mean that would be it would be interesting to see if he decided to uh, they decided to bring him back or if he would have interest in uh, going back to uh, the banks of the Raritan in beautiful Piscataway, New Jersey. <laughs> My uh, Rutgers, this, Rutgers should not be this bad. Uh, it's inexcusable. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, there's listen. There's great high school football talent in New Jersey, and, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Taylor, you know, is a prime example. A product you know, of it, a, exactly. A guy who a guy who went to Wisconsin, a high school guy from Salem, New Jersey, and you can find, you know, if you find the right guys there and and bring them to Rutgers, you could get the job done. Uh, my final thumbs down will go to Nebraska, unable to finish the deal against Colorado. Uh, last week, offense was the issue. This week, defense was the issue, and and Scott Frost is going to have to figure it out and they're not a patient fan base there in Lincoln as we know Um, you know they they had a lot of high expectations in year two I mean Adrian Martinez has been good but not great and uh, they haven't been able to uh, you know that was a a big kind of a border statement game for them and and they couldn't get the job done and uh, not good for the conference either to lose to a Pac-12 team no, no. And, and and like you mentioned, I think you bring up a good point when you talk about the inconsistencies. You know, last week it was the defense saving uh, Nebraska with two defensive interceptions. And uh, this week the defense was non-existent. So um, Scott Frost came in there with a lot of hype. You know, he's a Nebraska alum. People love him there. But uh, if he doesn't kind of get this thing figured out, we'll see how patient that fan base will grow with one they're on. That is true, Elton. So, uh that's it for a thumbs up, thumbs down segment. Uh, coming up next, we are going to talk to Will Graves from the Associated uh, Press, break down the Pittsburgh-Penn State matchup. Uh, stay tuned to the First and Big Ten podcast. Don't go anywhere because it's time for Voices of the Gridiron. Here's today's special guest. Welcome back to the first and Big Ten podcast. This is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana here with uh, Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. 
And uh, today we've got a really treat for a guest. Uh, he is a uh, close friend. We worked together close to 20 years ago with the Naples Daily News. Uh, he has since moved on with the Associated Press, uh, first in Louisville and now in Pittsburgh, where he covers uh, all things uh, Pittsburgh sports for the AP. He also does a terrific job covering Olympic uh, gymnastics. He's uh, tolerated my karaoke over the years, as I've tolerated his. And uh, a, a really uh, a, a close friend and uh, a real good mentor, also Will Graves. Uh, and we're here to talk about the uh, Penn State Pittsburgh matchup, a big matchup this week. Will, pleasure to have you on. Hey, man, uh, happy to be here, K Bro. And uh, you know, warning to all future Big Ten cities: just plan your night accordingly when K Bro's in town this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 always entertaining and it's always interesting. So. Uh, Let's begin with, uh, you know, Pittsburgh and, and Pat Narduzzi. It's a, it, you know, he's had a pretty interesting run there. Last year, he, he got picked to the ACC title game. Uh, they lost to Clemson. They lost three in a row. And, and this year, you know, getting off to a little bit of a rocky start, losing to Virginia at home in the ACC. Just uh, what is the temperature there? You know, he's a former Michigan State defensive coordinator, uh, you know, he's got Big Ten roots and a Big Ten background. But uh, what's the feeling from the fan base, Will, over there about the job that he's doing? Uh, it's it's a little love-hate, to be honest with you. I think some people are pleased with sort of what he's done after taking over when Paul Chris went back home to take the, the job at Wisconsin. Um, but he's sort of continued on that treadmill that Pitt's been on now for – to be honest with you, going on 40 years, uh, almost since Dan Marino left uh, left school. I mean, they basically are – you can peg them in from anywhere between five to, to eight wins. And every year it seems like they'll win a game that they probably shouldn't. And every game year it seems they'll lose a game they probably shouldn't. That's sort of just their M.O. And, you know, he's doing it in a slightly different style than, than Paul Chris did it. Uh, but it's sort of the results are the same. But the administration loves them. He got a massive extension after they went five and seven in at the end of two seven, 2017, a game in which they ended the regular season by beating your beloved Miami Hurricanes um, at Heinz Field. But they are just sort of on that treadmill, man. It's uh, uh, I do think the one thing I can say about where they're at, I think their defense, you know, he's a defensive guy. And I think now in year five, you're starting to really see the defense – start to take on that identity that it had when he was at Michigan state where they played a lot of man and they had just great outside guys on the outside and would win a lot of games. And I think that is the style that when, when you've envisioned pick going forward, that's what it's going to look like if he ever does get it going the way that he wants to get it. Yeah. Going. And uh, what about his strategy this week? Not having the players talk to the media. What is uh, what's that about? And uh, do you think it'll be effective? Um, he did it, you know, I, I, This it wasn't a surprise this year. I mean, it was a surprise in 2016, the first year this rivalry came back when they did, the, did this four-year renewal of this series. And at that point, we were caught off guard. He did, he did it again. They won that year. He did it again in 720. Last year, he let two captains come out in the middle of the week and talk for five minutes, and they said, of course, absolutely nothing. And they got drilled. So I don't think it has any any. It's gonna have not gonna have any effect on the outcome of the game. But I do think it's interesting for a guy that espouses every week and every game is the same by treating this week differently than all the others. You're saying that this game is not the same, and I just kind of wonder how that resonates. I don't think the players particularly care one way or another. I can say from a guy that 
look, Pitt is not the most important thing that I do in Pittsburgh, but they, you know, I, my wife works there and I do, you know, I do a pretty good job covering them, but you know, for, they also are always sort of clamoring for attention, right? Pay attention. And while the one week when people actually do want to pay attention to them, they're like, ah, we're good. We don't need the players to talk. Well, Will, see that this is the 100th meeting, um, you know, from 2000 to 2016. And, um, you know, they did not play each other, but um, they resumed that in 2016 and have played the last three years leading up to this one. Uh, with no, I guess, games on the further schedule in the foreseeable future, what are you hearing in terms of them maybe uh, reprising this rivalry later on down the road? Um, I know earlier today, Franklin said that he was not opposed to that, and that's something that he'd be interested in, um, you know, maybe seeing happen again. But I was wondering if you're hearing anything on your end on the uh, future of this. Well, you know, on I think all the obstinates in, toward, in terms of not extending the series is, is at Penn State's, it's on Penn State's side of it. I mean, Pitt set them a proposal a couple of years ago, Heather like the, the athletic director, a note and said, hey, you want to keep this going, please let us know. And, and Heather was that Sandy just sort of let it sit on her desk and they decided not to do anything about it. Um, you know, Pat Narduzzi said on Monday that, you know, when this series resumes, whenever it is, he'll either be retired or in a coffin. Well, he's only in his early 50s. So that sort of gives you a sense of the level of optimism of where Pitt is at in terms of this thing coming back. Um, I sort of understand Penn State's side of it. Um, I think Pitt's biggest rival is West Virginia. And they will play to get start playing together again in a couple of years, resume the backyard brawl. But as far as Pitt, Penn State, I don't see them playing any time before 2030 or sometime thereafter. Okay, Will, so uh, against Idaho, Pitt State, um, you know, had to prepare for two quarterbacks. They were kind of doing a platoon there. Uh, last week, they uh, had to prepare for Mike for Matt Myers. He only threw ten passes. Um, the uh, Got a little bit more film on Kenny Pickett. Um, so that should pose a different challenge. You know, what have you seen for him? And, um, you know, as he's one of the ACC's most seasoned signal callers, how do you feel that he'll fare against this talented uh, Penn State defensive line? <laughs> well, I think seasoned is a very interesting – tenderized might be another word that, that I would use there. Pitt has had trouble protecting him. He did not – look, he had a great debut. He, he As a true freshman, he started against Miami when Miami's un, unbeaten – Number two in the country, he plays really well. They beat the Canes in a game that the Canes didn't need either way, but it was still an important moment for Pitt. And then last year, as a junior, as a as a sophomore, he was sort of up and down. They relied heavily on the running game. They brought in Mark Whipple this year to be the, as the offensive coordinator to kind of get the passing game going. They're throwing the ball a lot. The problem is they can't protect him. He got drilled against Virginia, and early on last week got drilled. You know in the first quarter of their game against Ohio before they finally made some adjustments. I would expect Penn state just as they did last year when he went nine of 18 for 55 yards in the rain to have trouble staying upright. I think he's okay when given time, but if he isn't given time, he's in trouble. And I think that's going to be at a premium on Saturday. Well, what's the, uh, you know, you talked about Narduzzi's defense. What's, what's their strength defensively? What do they do? Well, I think it's their second, you know, secondary, which is a stark contrast to where it was three or four years ago where, you know, they were in the bottom five in the F in uh, division one against the pass, like in 2016. And he said, you know, we're going to keep playing, man. I don't care. This is how I, this is my system. We're going to get it right. It seems finally they have gotten it right. They've got real, a lot of talent there. 
in uh, Jason Pinnock and a couple other guys, guys that have been in the system three or four years. Paris Ford is a, a safety that was a highly tied recruit who's finally starting and, and seems to have uh, got his career going. DeMar Hamlin's a guy that's got his uh, career going. I mean, they, they, that is their strength. They've had some injuries up front. They lost Rashad Weaver, who was their best defensive lineman during camp. They lost another starter, um, Keyshawn Camp Week for the season. But, you know, they played very well against Ohio. That strength is really on the outside. I mean, you watched the game against Virginia. Virginia picked to win the Coastal and ACC. Their receivers had no time and no space to get open. So I think that is Pitt's best – the best part of a defense that I think is going to be pretty good. If Pitt is to upset Penn State in this game, what, what are they going to have to do? Uh, I think they're going to have to win the turnover battle by at least two. And – they're going to have to be able to run effectively, which so I, I think Pitt's offense is going to have to be able to run the ball effectively to keep keep Pickett upright. And I think that the defense is going to have to get be at least plus two in terms of takeaways. All right. Well, well, hey, it's uh, great to have you on to break down this matchup, and uh, always uh, always great to catch up with you. Uh, hope all is well going well with you and the family. Hey, man, thanks for having me, and I'm, I'll give you a prediction. You're not going to ask for one, but I'm going to say Penn State 27-13. All right, so you've got the Nittany Lions in that one. We'll see if the uh, Big Ten can top the uh, ACC. Okay, so that's Will Graves uh, from the Associated Press in Pittsburgh. This is Kevin Brockway and Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports. Coming up next on the first in Big Ten podcast, our predictions for week three around the Big Ten. Want to see more from Kevin and Elton? Subscribe to a CNHI newspaper near you. Welcome back to the first in Big Ten broadcast. Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana, along with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania. It's prediction time. This uh, is one of my favorites. I one like, of your I favorites. Love these. Elton, I'm keeping score. You're 24 and 4 through uh, two weeks. I'm 26 and 2. Uh, I got Fresno State wrong. If not for that throw by uh, <laughs> that miracle throw, I'd be twenty-seven and one. But uh, twenty-six and two isn't that bad. I've got you by two, but it's a long season, so uh, we, I'm sure I'm I've sure you'll catch up to me. I've got some time to make up for it. No, no question, no question. All right, let's get started with the big tilt at Memorial Stadium in Bloomington, Indiana. Ohio State against the Hoosiers, the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, Indiana's a Fifteen and a half point underdog. They haven't beaten Ohio State since nineteen eighty eight, and uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you were born in nineteen eighty eight, but that was uh, I was I was alive. I was alive. That, that was my that was my junior that was uh, my junior year of high school or going into my senior year of high school, the fall of nineteen eighty eight, and uh, uh, you know that was uh, back in the days when uh, you know you wore parachute pants, and uh, <laughs> you know it was uh, it was it was uh, certainly a Certainly a long time ago, uh, the high hair and, uh, you know, things have changed a lot. But uh, this is, I mean, you know, it's its just, you know, you keep telling yourself, you know, maybe this could be the year. And certainly Indiana's, you know, played them close in recent years. They had them down in the third quarter a couple of years ago at home when they played in the season opener on a Thursday night game. Uh, I think Tom Allen has, has made tremendous progress with this program, but I just, I don't see it. I mean, I think uh, Ohio State's on another level right now. They're, they're a juggernaut. I'll take Ohio State. I'm with you on that one. I just, yeah, I like what Indiana's doing, and I, I do have Indiana going to a bowl game this year. However, um, I, I don't think that one of those bowl eligible wins will come at the um, at the cost of the Buckeyes. So, uh, I should win this one with ease. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, they're just going to have some problems on the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think, you know, being able to establish the run for Indiana will be an issue. Uh, you know, I think Penix will be able to make a few plays in the passing game, but uh, we will see. Illinois against Eastern Michigan. Um, Illinois, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite here at home. That's Eastern generous. Michigan, they, they've been known to spring some upsets from time to time, Eastern Michigan, but uh, I'll still uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ride on the Lovey Smith train and, and stick with Illinois here. Hey, man, like I said, I like what I've seen out of them. Uh, Brandon Peters has really impressed me. Um, I, I believe they go 3-0 and after beating uh, Eastern Michigan. So, Illinois for the win. Maryland Terrapins, we've touched on Josh Jackson. He's been terrific. Maryland under Mike Loxley has been terrific uh, with, with their read option offense. Uh, they're a seven-point favorite against Temple. I mean, Temple's, you know, a, uh, a, a team that, uh, listen, they're uh, – I, you know, a, a scrappy Northeastern team and a team that's, uh, you know, certainly shown over the years to produce very good coaches that have gone on to other schools. But uh, I'll, I'll stick with the Terps here and uh, see them go 3-0 and also. I, I don't know if they'll uh, crack 60 points again, but, um, you know, they're traveling up to uh, – this will be their, I believe, their first road game of the year. So that's going to be interesting, them making that short trip up to Philadelphia. But uh, I, I think Maryland continues to surge, puts up 40-plus 40, uh, 40 points in a victory uh, at Temple. Penn State, a 17-point favorite against Pittsburgh, uh, one of the big uh, kind of cross-conference games of the week, uh, Big Ten versus ACC. I think the game being in Happy Valley – um, I just think that uh, Penn State's going to be too much for them. I'll go with the Nittany Lions. I agree. Uh, I think after uh, you know after last week's slow start against um, Buffalo, where Penn State found itself trailing three points at half, um, I think they're going to be motivated by that. Um, you throw on a in-state rival coming here for the last meeting for the foreseeable future, and um, uh, I think Beaver Stadium is going to be teeming with energy that's going to um, spill over to the players. I think Penn State wins this one quite easily. Northwestern, a 19-point favorite against UNLV. Uh, home opener, you know, obviously the disappointing loss at Stanford, but uh, I think they, uh, I think they get it done this week against uh, a, you know a, a lesser opponent in terms of uh, talent. Uh, I think Northwestern uh, uh, pulls this one out. I agree. Um, I was a little disappointed in um, Hunter Johnson showing at Stanford. But I think they kind of got some of those issues ironed out um, over the last two weeks. I believe Northwestern comes in and looks good. And I think he um, kind of shows people glimpses of why he was ranked a five-star quarterback coming out of high school. Minnesota, 15-and-a-half-point favorite. Home against Georgia Southern. Uh, we, of course, remember Georgia Southern uh, knocking off a, a Will Muschamp-led team a couple of years back at Florida. So uh, <laughs> when they were an FCS deal, they're FBS now. But, uh, yeah, I see Minnesota – after a couple of close calls, I, I think they're going to have a little more sense of urgency and win this one at home. Yeah, Kevin, I, I'm going to have to take the uh, contrary opinion on this one. Um, I think Georgia Southern is going to go in there and upset them. So I'm going to pick Georgia Southern in this one. How about that? Going with the Sun Belt school. So uh, yeah. we'll see. Well, you know, Georgia State beat Tennessee. So, I mean, anything is possible. It's not outside the room of possibility. Exactly. Maybe another Georgia directional school getting the job done. <laughs> Arizona State at Michigan State. Another interesting Pac-12 versus, you know, uh, Big Ten matchup. Um, listen, Arizona State's 2-0. They're, uh, you know, a, a team that's playing with a little bit of confidence. Herm Edwards, you know, you play to win the game, right? <laughs> um, he's accumulated some talent there. But, you know, the game is in East Lansing. Um, you know, Arizona will be making the trip. I, I like, uh, you know, I, I like what I've seen so far from Michigan State's defense. I'm going to stick with Michigan State. 
No, I, I um, that, that it, it's going to be hard for me to, to uh, pick against that defense, especially now that Michigan State appears to have found an offense to um to accompany that. So I think Michigan State pulls off the win here and um gets a a good win over a Pac ten a Pac twelve rather opponent. All right, and we've got a, a good rivalry game here: Iowa against Iowa State. Uh, you know, Big Ten versus Big Twelve matchup here. Um, the Cyhawk rivalry. The Cyhawk rivalry, and uh, Iowa State's at home. Um. Iowa's is still two and a half point favorite in this one. So this is kind of a toss up game. I'm going to stick with Mike Stanley and the Hawkeyes though. I, I like what I see from Iowa, you know, certainly pitching the shutout against Rutgers. Um, the, the defense is playing well. They've got a good offensive line. I, I think they find a way to win this game. I'm just going to, for the sake of, of being different. And just because with these type of rivalries, I think Matt Campbell's a great coach at Iowa state. Um, I'm going to say Iowa state gets the home win here and uh, upsets Iowa. All right, so we've got, uh, you know, here's another Big 12, uh, Big 10 matchup here. TCU, the Horn Frogs, and Gary Patterson going up to Purdue. And I think the big question, obviously, in this game is Sindelar's health. You know, is he well, going yeah. to be able to play with, with the concussion symptoms that he's been experiencing, you know, following the game against Vanderbilt? And, uh, you know, Jeff Brown said he has confidence in Jack Plummer in the backup, you know, stepping in and running the offense. And you have a lot of dynamic receivers there. But, uh, you know, if you don't have a running game, it's not going to matter. And Gary Patterson is a guy who can make you one-dimensional, too, defensively. He's an excellent coach. Um, You know, Purdue is a – Purdue's at home, and it's a night game at Ross-Aid. But TCU is actually a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to go with TCU here. Are you? Okay. Well, can I make a disclaimer if um, Sindelar plays? (laughs) No, I I, I think uh, I'm going to pick Purdue on this one. I like Rondell Moore. Um, I believe whoever lines up back there, quarterback's going to find a way to get him the ball. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, home team on this one. I think Purdue wins. All right. And then we've got Nebraska against Northern Illinois, a sneaky Northern Illinois program. We've seen them pull off some upsets uh, over the last few years. Uh, Well-coached, well-oiled team. Nebraska, 14-point favorite at home. I think that the Huskers, uh, you know, find a way to, uh, you know, uh, rally and, and, and they're back in Lincoln. Uh, I think this is a game that they, they find a way to pull out. I agree. I believe this is uh, – we talked about those inconsistencies, them not able to get both units on the same page of the same game. It kind of does it this week. Um, I think there's some sense of urgency. I think Scott Frost, Scott Frost is the right guy to um, kind of mass or fix those concerns. Um, I believe Nebraska puts it together for four quarters on both sides of the ball this week and uh, wins. All right, Alton. So uh, I guess you've got uh, three picks different than me this week. You can play a little bit of catch up here. Uh, uh, so if, if if you win all three of them and I lose, or I can dig myself farther into a hole. <laughs> yes, we will. We'll see how that. Uh, we'll see how that works out. But uh, in any event, uh, it's been a lot of fun looking around the league. It's only going to get more interesting as we start to get into these conference games, too. Uh, I'm uh, I'm curious. What what what's the one thing that you're looking forward to uh, in this week, Elton? Um, I guess I'm going to say I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, this this um, Ohio State-Indiana game. Uh, Indiana has been one of those teams that's kind of been on the cusp the past couple of years. Uh, Ohio State has looked great the last few weeks. Um, I, I, I think this one's going to be very telling. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all the kind of the cross, you know, uh, conference games, uh, you know, coming up. Some, you know, the Pittsburgh-Penn State's. The uh, TCU, Purdue, the Iowa, Iowa State, Arizona State, Michigan, just to see what this league measures up. I think so far they've shown pretty well in those games early, but uh, this will be a really telling week 
in terms of, uh, you know, how the conference is perceived before it gets into Big Ten play. So, uh, but what do you I, think the storyline of the conference has been so far? No, we're only uh, we're going into our third week, but uh, if you're going to have to peg the uh, the story of the season so far, we'll... I like the quarterback play. I really do. I mean, I yeah. think we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks around the league playing really well early in the season. I mean, I really like uh, what uh, you know what you see from Justin Fields, uh, what you're seeing from Nate Stanley, what you're seeing from a, a bunch of guys are really poised, Lewerke, really poised good quarterback play and if that can continue i think this that that bodes really well for this league yeah i've been impressed with the uh, the, i guess the transfer speaking of the quarterbacks the way the transfers have kind of settled we've got you know brandon peters at illinois justin fields at ohio state um i I think it's been really interesting so far yeah we forgot to mention josh jackson too obviously uh, josh jackson at maryland i mean how could we forget him i mean you know maryland's been one of the uh the surprise teams of the uh of the season but yeah definitely josh jackson the virginia tech transfer has played a um a a strong role in in the so um yeah really interesting to see these guys get a second opportunity somewhere and really seize that and, and play such um you know key parts into their team success early well, we hope that uh, you continue to give us an opportunity to keep you informed in all things Big Ten football. Uh, this is Kevin Brockway from CNHI Sports Indiana with Elton Hayes from CNHI Sports Pennsylvania for the first of Big Ten football podcast signing off. Thanks for listening to your number one source for college football and Big Ten news. The first and Big Ten podcast. Enjoy the games.